As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Sports are back. Save 40%. As you know by now, the National Hockey League has entered Phase 4. The Vancouver Canucks are going to be playing games here shortly. And you don't want to miss exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. Subscribe now and save. Sign up and see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. And if you go to theathletic.com slash thevancast, you can receive 40% off an annual subscription. Sports are back, and you don't want to miss breaking stories on your favorite team, so go to theathletic.com slash thevancast for 40% off an annual subscription. We hope to see you there. Vancouver Canucks have left the city of Vancouver. They are now in Edmonton. They have entered the bubble. They're into phase four, Drancer. And here we go. It is uh, the week that we've been waiting for uh, since play was halted back in mid-March. But uh, there will be hockey on Wednesday night, a pre-tournament game. And then, of course, on Sunday night, they start playing for keeps. Canucks hockey is back. And we have no idea, as the Canucks practice while we record, uh, how the team skated (laughs) ahead of that preseason game. Um, we'll sort of see if Travis chooses to disclose anything uh, shortly, but you know, I, I, it's going to be so weird to not have any information on what players are in attendance, what players are missing, what sort of line combos are being used, if there's new wrinkles on the power play. And you know, I'm sure that suits Canucks head coach Travis Green just fine, but it also makes it harder for us to give them credit when something they try works out. You know, like, it's just so weird. It's going to be a real test of our flexibility, J-Pat. And, uh, you know, having seen me, I think you know how inflexible I am, in fact. Uh, we'll, we'll sort of see how this goes as we try and cover this series. 
Right, and you know me. Like, I love the minutia of whatever this team is up to. Like, there is news to be had in anything and everything the Vancouver Canucks do. And so uh, it kills me from a distance to know that they're practicing. Like, I had to badger to find out something as simple as a practice time. And I was curious to see if they were going to skate on the main rink at Rogers Place in Edmonton. Like, would teams get a chance to skate before they were playing games in the big rink? Or are they going to preserve the ice and keep teams on practice sheets? As it turned out, the Canucks skated on the practice sheet that's attached to Rogers Place, but not the main rink. And as Farhan pointed out on Twitter, like, there is some gamesmanship that has already begun because you and I sat through every session at Rogers Arena, the training camp, 10-day summer camp, players' names and numbers plastered on the back of their practice jerseys. They get to Edmonton first on a session and nothing. Like, Travis Green doesn't want... Like, you know, the only photos that are being posted on Canucks Social are from, like, long range, right? Like, these wide shots of the rink. You can try to zoom in, but you, you really can't pick up anything. And Travis Green dropping no hints whatsoever if any Minnesota players or coaches or anybody else around the league is, like, peering in through a little peephole. Like, they're going to have trouble telling who's who because there's no names, there's no numbers on the back of the practice jersey. So that has already changed from Phase 3 to Phase 4. I kind of love it. Like, on the one hand, I kind of yep. love it. I respect no, the I respect the New England Patriots <laughs> sort of <laughs> stylings of it all, the cynicism, the competitiveness in everything you do. Uh, that, you know, I admire that. I admire that even while finding it a massive pain in the ass in terms of, you know, if where McEwen slotted in like we could have done 10 minutes on that you know now granted you and I Jeff we can do 10 minutes on anything we proved it during the pandemic but (laughs) yeah but I mean it would be nice to sort of have some sense of of how the Canucks are going to operate you know in this preseason game we haven't seen them play in so long Uh, having that lead up having that idea of what the lineup looks like that'll be you know it's too bad that we won't be able to see it it's too bad that we won't be able to get sort of even what the line rushes look like but you know I think there's a chance anyway that Travis will tell us something on that zoom uh later today we'll see we'll see I I hear that the Nashville Predators did not disclose any lineups we saw Jets and Leafs PR go the extra mile and send directly line rushes to media mm-hmm. and then we saw in the case of the Edmonton Oilers the Oilers did not disclose their lineups during practice, but asked about it on his post-practice Zoom. Dave Tippett did give the media the goods. So I'm really curious to see how Travis stick handles this one uh, and what he's willing to disclose from practice. Right. And again, with all of this going on, like we're kind of left to our own devices to, you know, pick up cues and clues where we can and read into things. And I saw like, you know, you were sort of dissecting the wording of the one tweet that the Canucks put out about all members of the traveling party uh, on the ice or whatever it was, all skaters that traveled are on the ice, right? Because like the yeah. last time we saw them here in town, McEwen didn't practice on Saturday. Alex Edler left. He had to be helped off the ice by trainers. I don't think it was serious. And I did see in a video from practice that he's out there on the ice. So that's a, a good sign. But when we last saw Alex Edler, he was being helped off the ice at Rogers Arena on the last day of camp. And, you know, we just can't get updates for people because of these protocols that are in place. Right. Although I find, do you, do you notice how teams are chafing on it? Like, increasingly, you can tell that teams are just chafing against it. Like, Max Pacioretty hung back for the, the Vegas Golden Knights and Pete DeBoer to the media today. He was just like, 
yeah, it's a minor injury. Like he'll join us later. You know, like team teams are sort of chafing under this as they should. I think the Michael Furland sort of moment is the perfect illustration. It's all we need to know to understand that this sort of unfit to play, unable to practice policy goes too far because, you know, in Furland's case, when he wasn't on the ice, two things immediately came to mind, COVID or a recurrence of concussion issues, right? And obviously neither was the case. He's played his way back, but there's 48 to 72 hours that, you know, the media, the market, uh, everyone's sort of speculating about Furlan. The Canucks are unable to say, hey, like it's just a lower body Nick or an upper body, like whatever it was, uh, you know, and, and I don't think that did a, a service to the Canucks. I don't think it did a service to Michael Furland. Uh, I think it was, you know, quite the opposite, counterproductive. And when you see sort of where we're at now two weeks later, I, I really do think that incident more than any uh, that I've seen around the league highlights how ultimately this policy does no favors to anybody really, uh, you know, especially now that players are becoming more open about when they've, you know, diagnosed for COVID-19. Like until camps opened, we had one public player, Jace Howerluck, who'd admitted that he'd had a positive COVID-19 test. In the last 10 days, Corey Crawford, Brett Kulak, uh, you know, Austin Matthews, and Seth Jones. No, sorry, Caleb. Seth Jones' yeah. brother, Caleb. Uh, you know, those are the they, – they've all disclosed it and sort of explained why they felt they should, you know? So we're sort of seeing a relaxation of that. Uh, I'm curious to see as we go along how much teams adhere to this policy. I suspect not too much. All right, well, let's drill down on what we do know, and that is uh, we now know the names of the traveling party, and you had it uh, first. You did some work on uh, the weekend to come up with the names and sort of the, you know, the by position. Uh, <laughs> but you know how I got it. You know how I got it, right? I have a sense, yeah. Uh, our, our, trusty, our trusty old friend. The roster page. Ah, Yes, right. The good old roster page. It it updated. So then I just had to confirm stuff I already knew, which is much easier than getting someone to tell you the 30-man or the 30-man traveling lineup. Right. So 17 forwards, 10 defensemen, three goaltenders, and there you go. Those are your Vancouver Canucks that are in the bubble. Uh, Let's just pick up on Furlan because uh, we've talked about him through camp, and rightly so. I mean, this guy really, he, he became, in the second week, the story of this training camp to a point where... Uh, I mean, he had 15 minutes of a media Zoom on Saturday that absolutely blew me away with how candid, how frank, how open, how honest he was about everything that he's been through. And like, I couldn't get enough. Like, there are times where I'm thinking, like, these Zooms are going too long. Like, this one was just like, keep going. Like, every answer, it seemed furthered, you know, just his ability to sort of pull back the curtain on everything that he's dealt with. And quite frankly, it, it almost made me sad that he wasn't around all season because I, I have never really heard Michael... Like, he's been in a great headspace throughout this camp the couple of times that they've made him available. And as good as the headspace has been, I think he's looked as good or better on the ice to the point where, like, the last couple of scrimmages, absolutely, he looked like a guy that can and probably will contribute to the Canucks cause here starting on Sunday night. Yeah, I think he'll play. And good for him. I mean, he's been through so much. He is, you know, he has been easy to deal with in my experience when, you know, I was I was able to talk to him prior to the pause or prior to his particular pause, which occurred in, uh, right before Halloween. Uh, you know, I'm, it's not. It's good to see. Like, it's just good to see him overcome that. We'll see how he fares in that preseason game. Like, I do think getting through 
uh, game action is going to be different from getting through those scrimmages. So we'll see. That I, I still think there's a big hurdle there. Uh, but, you know, I, I think he'll play. And I think if he looks the way he has, uh, like he's looked fast, he's looked assertive. If he looks like that, I think he can definitely be a big factor for this team. Yeah, and the goal that he scored on Friday in the scrimmage, pulling the puck from behind the goal line, like quick hands. And, you know, yeah. like, because think back, like, he played the first dozen games before the fight with Clifford. And remember, like, his ice time and his role on this hockey team was diminishing on it, like, you know, game by game basis. Like, there was this training camp, Michael Furlan looked totally different than the guy that was with the Canucks at the outset of the season. And I do wonder now, like, was he completely healthy? Was he convinced that he was completely healthy at the start of the season? Because this guy now, like, and Travis Green talked about it too. He said, like, there's a glimmer in his eyes and he just, he looks hungry out there for the puck. And, and so I'm with you. I think that the game against Winnipeg, the exhibition, game probably means more to him than just about anybody else because he hasn't played in so long at this level but uh really encouraging signs for for Michael Furland and and you know the offshoot there is the trickle down because he was on line with Roussel and Godet and that could very well be the third line he was getting second power play looks as well like all indications are that Michael Furland is going to be a part of this and so what does it mean for those other guys that we've talked about an awful lot I mean we'll find out and Travis Green's going to have the option of dressing an extra forward and I certainly think that he would exercise that option just because he has some decisions to make the other decisions that were made and I think this was surprising at least it was to me but I, I don't think I'm alone that youth has been served on the back end here and the the guys that yeah. are inside the bubble. Like, you know, coaches generally default to safe choices and both Guillaume Brisebois and Ashton Sautner have played NHL games for Travis Green. Like, he has seen them in Canuck uniforms, in, in the lineup, when he's been behind the bench. And based on what we saw at camp, I think this is the right call. Like, I, I think the three guys that went actually had stronger camps, but they're lacking in the NHL experience department. So I, I'm a little surprised in that regard that, you know, the safe choice wasn't ultimately the choice that the Vancouver Canucks made with their traveling defenders. I do wonder, j like, I think you're right. I think the three guys who deserve to go went. Uh, but I do wonder how much of this, too, was about the long term was like if you send Rafferty and Yolevi home now that's kind of all you get to see of them whereas now you know we're talking about the ninth and tenth defenders on your depth chart right you need two injuries on either side of your of your defense core before either player gets in the lineup assuming that Chatfield and Ben would be pairing number four for the Canucks right yes and now you get to practice with them you get to keep them around the guys. You get to build up their confidence. You get to have their games, you know, broken down ruthlessly by JT Miller in a practice. Um, or or just, like, have guys like Alex Edler work with them and, and on and on, right? Like, there's this environment now, this hockey-focused bubble environment where they'll get to practice or be on the ice six or seven times uh, a week, you know, with your staff, with you, uh, you're able to work with them. Like, I wonder how much that played a role into it because while I do think that wouldn't have governed their decision in the event that those players hadn't earned it at camp, like they clearly did, but I do wonder if in a situation where Yo Levy was, say, equal to Brisbois roughly, right, if they would have leaned Yo Levy because the potential upside of him having this time, especially with how quickly his game progressed over the course of that camp uh, in Phase 3, uh, would have sort of been, you know, uh, uh, 
just a weight that you'd add to his his case, essentially. I hear you, Drancer, and yet I'm not convinced. And again, because we're not there and we can't see, like I looked at that photo pretty closely of practice. I don't think there were 30 bodies on the ice. Like, I'm not sure that the black aces no. are, are going to skate on a regular basis. Like, it, you know, in a normal well, I'm practice. I'm sure they'll skate. Right, but with the main group, I don't know. Like, probably in, not. In the probably Stanley, not. in the Stanley Cup playoffs, normally the black aces are the black aces. They go out on their own. But if you're trying to conduct a big league practice, you know, you can't do it with 30 bodies on the ice. So no. I'm not convinced that that's the reason. I mean, there may be some of a nod to the future and a changing of the guy. Like Ashton Sautner is 26. Like he is what he is, and whether he's got a future in the Vancouver Canucks organization, I'm not sure. But I think we have seen here in the last couple of weeks probably a changing of the guard in terms of depth defenders, right? So, yes. I, I mean, I, I say this I with, think that's fair to say. I say this with all due respect to Ashton Sautner, but at this stage of his career and his development, there are a lot of Ashton Sautners out there, and if they felt the need to go and find somebody that was going to be a depth guy down on the farm primarily, they can do that. Like, I, he's somewhat disposable yep. to the organization where... You know, there's still upside, obviously, for Yolevi, and we know that Rafferty is going to get his chance at some point here. So, anyhow, like I think it was the right call, and I think it was the right call sort of on two layers. The one that we talked about, a nod to the future of the organization, but also just based on what we saw. Like, Jalen Chatfield, he looked good. Like, he had a really strong camp from day one when he was the first extra defenseman you know, and that was one of the things we were all locked on to. Like, which depth guy is going to get to be that eighth defenseman with the main group? And it was Jalen Chatfield. And mm-hmm. I think it was a nod to him on day one. And I don't think he let up the rest of camp. Like, I thought he was really good. He was. And I don't think he was necessarily playing, like, you know, there's a pecking order to all things. And big part of Jalen Chatfield's game is that he can throw a big open ice hit. He wasn't about to go do that in a phase three training camp ahead of this, right? Like, he knew he couldn't exactly unfurl that part of his game. Um, and, you know, I, I wonder if that sort of goes into into it too, right? Like, this is a guy who's smart enough to understand that and to play it the right way and still play hard um, without sort of crossing the line against a guy who you can't afford to injure, right? Uh, I thought that – I th- look, I thought he was really impressive. I like his wheels. I like his physical game. Uh, he scored a bunch too. Like this is a guy who hasn't scored in two years I in know. the NHL. And he, <laughs> and he like hit three posts and had a goal in this in Canucks scrimmages at training camp. So, no, look, he's played well. He's earned his spot. Good for him. And, you know, you do feel a little bit bad for a guy like Sautner, especially with how hard he worked to get to the show. And then he sort of gets there and he gets, you know, injured and it's – can't get off the bench and like that scene in San Jose was awful right um so you know you feel for him and uh you know he's going to be a group six UFA right so he's going to have some options this year or or this offseason and we'll sort of see where this goes but I I can't imagine uh that those those two veteran players were too happy with uh with sort of what you know you couldn't you can't not read into this especially if you're the individuals particularly affected uh, and I'm sure that that'll be remembered as Ashton Sautner sort of looks at his options as he should. Want to reflect on Friday's scrimmage because it was a little different. It was really two periods and then a whole bunch of special teams work. But there were a couple of things that I took away and I just want to bounce them off you. Uh, but first, the final 22 teams have made their way to Orlando and are ready to get back out on the court. And while the ending to this year's basketball season will be different than years past, there will not be a shortage of excitement. 
Uh, there's no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. To celebrate the return of basketball, DraftKings will have not one, but two $1 million top prizes through the first two days of the resumed season. So get in, all of the ac- get in on all the action now. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy basketball is easy to play. You just pick eight players. You stay under the salary cap. Pile up the points for three-pointers, rebounds, assists, and more. There's no better way to put your basketball knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at $1 million. But if basketball isn't for you, don't worry. DraftKings is offering plenty of fantasy golf action for this week's tournament. With millions of dollars up for grabs this week, there's no better place to have skin in the game than with DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app now. Use the promo code RUN to get a free shot at millions of dollars up for grabs this week with your first deposit. That's promo code RUN to get a free shot at millions of dollars with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. All right, let's just back it up uh, to Friday night. The last time we saw any sort of game action for the Canucks, you were there, I was there. I don't know about you, but I kind of felt like the pace and tempo that we had seen that had built through all the camp wasn't quite there uh, with a lot of the veterans. And to me, my, my read on that was they were done with camp. Like, they had sort of accomplished everything they wanted to in that camp, and it was a solid camp, and I know Travis Green and his coaching staff, uh, they were happy with camp, but I kind of, just watching Friday, I felt like all of those guys looked like they were ready to get to Edmonton, to move into the bubble, to get on with whatever Phase 4 is going to look like, but I didn't feel like they were as into that scrimmage at the end of camp as they had been in some earlier ones. No, and you think about, you know, think about those scrimmages as like four preseason games, right? And how... You know, the last preseason game, you'd be cycling in some vets who hadn't really played. Like, for them, it would be the first or the second, which sort of keeps the energy level up a little bit. Uh, But, you know, now that teams play such bloated preseason schedules these days, like, you still see that late in the preseason, too, right? Where you have sort of one of those games where it's just kind of get through, uh, no one get hurt. Those gentlemen's agreement (laughs) games, as it were. Yeah. Uh, And, yeah, it it did feel like that. And And then the fact that the third period was that special teams sort of extravaganza added to it right and they ended it early I mean it was just a different sort of feel all around I did sort of the only thing I really took in I took out of it was Furland working with both the extras and with the second power play unit in that bumper spot that's a spot he occupied and played really well in for the Carolina Hurricanes a year ago Uh, it gives a second lefty to that second unit and you know more importantly Jake Vertanen didn't work with any power play unit until the extras came on. Uh, I read an awful lot into that. I like Zach McEwen's penalty shot goal. Now, Zach had a great camp. Friday wasn't his best performance, but he drew a penalty. All penalty shots were, or all penalties were penalty shots with a chase pack. And so it just, it speaks to the confidence level that this guy has gained through this camp, but also where he was playing when play was halted. Like he walked in and absolutely ripped a snapshot past Jacob Markstrom high on the glove side, right? Like he, he looked like, like that's a Brock Besser kind of goal from Zach McEwen. Like he just, I think he knew exactly what he wanted to do and he executed. Like that was a big time, big league goal, even in a summer scrimmage, like, Markstrom didn't even blink, and that thing was in and out past him. Yeah. Uh, You know, I've also, I've been texting a lot more the last 48 hours just with anyone I know who's in the bubble, just trying to get a sense of what it's like and what life is like and on and on. So I've been texting a lot of uh, front office execs, you know, contacts that I've got around the league, 
and you know, I had one guy make fun of me for how good everyone looked in camp, according to my <laughs> tweets and writing. Yeah. And uh, and and he said, but stop, but stop uh, blowing up Zach McEwen. Like <laughs> he's he's a guy we were hoping would be undervalued. <laughs> so I think Zach McEwen's not just turning uh, heads in Vancouver. Uh, was sort of what I took away from that. I think there's a lot of people around the league who are beginning to look at this kid as a guy who could be, based on what they've seen in the American League and in the NHL, uh, as a solid fourth liner. I think the Canucks see that too. Now, whether or not the penalty kill thing keeps him out of the lineup, I bet it will for game one. Uh, I just, that's my sneaking suspicion. But at this point, uh, in the event that the Canucks, you know, were to ice. Uh, a bottom six that looks like, say, Furland with the Gaudette line and Roussel, uh, and then, you know, Mott, Sutter, Beagle, the PK f- trio on the fourth line. Like, I th- I think if that game didn't go their way, I do think Zach McEwen might be the next guy up, uh, which is a testament to how hard he's worked. And, you know, uh, there's a chance he's still in the lineup on game one. Like, we'll sort of learn more, I guess, uh, the next time we see Vancouver's lines, but... Uh, boy, he was impressive at camp. No question about it. He's been impressive for a long time now. Uh, you know, I think he's certainly shown like of the Jim Benning predictions we've had in the past three, four years. Like Zach <laughs> McEwen is to me a full an everyday NHL player like that one's aging real well. Uh, I want to address quickly uh, the piece that you posted this morning because we've talked about JT Miller all season, obviously, and we talked on a recent podcast about you know, the fact that, for whatever reason, the playoff production hasn't been there. Uh, he faced that straight on, as he does pretty much every question you put in front of him. But uh, uh, just uh, interesting to hear his responses. And I know you had a chance to, to talk to him one-on-one, which isn't an opportunity that we're getting a lot of these days. So, uh, you know, it read well. And this guy, I think he recognizes his role on this team now and, and sort of how valuable he is to the Vancouver Canucks. But, he, you know, the, the comments came across as a guy that he's ready to meet this challenge uh, when the play-in begins against Minnesota. Yeah, you know, I think he sort of... Uh, he, look, he knows he knows what's been asked of him here, right? And he knows what's been given to him here, and he takes it seriously. There's a weight to it. And I think there's an extra weight to... Uh, his playoff performance too, right now. And and when you look at, you know, like I noticed when I was looking at his playoff stats, for example, that he's shot 3% <laughs> yeah. for his career in 61 yeah. postseason games. Now look, uh, you know, in the East when you're playing with the Rangers, like there's a lot of shots you're taking against Carey Price, for example, in the playoffs. So uh, that's part of it maybe, but also uh, that's unlikely to continue as the sample of playoff games expand, especially with, you know, the amount that he's going to be playing with a Elias Pettersson, who's a human efficiency machine and B just the raw number of minutes he logs for this team. Right. Especially in the event he ends up killing penalties. Like we could see him hit 23, 24 minutes uh, with some regularity, but look Miller overall, uh, you know, I think he's been a breath of fresh air for this club, uh, not just because of his form, but also because of that swagger, because of that demeanor, because of that complete, lack of capacity for bullshit and you know it's a relief to talk to him too right like it's fun to just know that he's going to give it to you straight and uh you know use some colorful hockey language here and there uh it's it's a lot of fun and uh and he's a lot of fun to watch so look Miller is going to be absolutely essential for this club that line needs to be on because 
you know, if the Canucks don't do damage at the top of their lineup, like that allows Minnesota's depth. And I do think their depth is a bit of an advantage to play. Most of our listeners are in and around Vancouver. And what better way to promote your business than through our show, the VanCast? And we would love to do business with you. Our listeners are loyal. They're engaged, just like you. What better way to advertise your business than on your favorite podcast? To advertise on this show, go to theathletic.com slash podcast ads. There you fill out a very simple form. We'll get back to you right away. So go to theathletic.com slash podcast ads and do it today. All right. Now for the big question. Where are you in your packing? And how difficult, like you're picking up your life and moving it to Edmonton here for what could be close to three months. Like, are you taking, <laughs> are you taking everything you own? No, I'm not. I'm taking like the things that I'm taking that aren't clothes are just like, I'm bringing my laundry hamper because I want my own laundry hamper. I know that's probably a little bit odd. I'm taking my own coffee m- m- maker. Like, I use a French press, obviously, because I'm fancy. Yes. And so I'm bringing my <laughs> French press. And uh, I think that's about it. Like, you know, I'll bring my Nintendo Switch. I'll bring a few other things. But uh, for the most part, pretty straightforward. I'm still debating, J-Pat, and I'm curious to get your take on this. You know, y- you're a guy. You always wear a jacket to a game. You've never covered a Canucks game without dressing business casual at the least yes right yes what do you think Should, like in a world where players will not be in suits the, there is no dress code should i wear a suit to the game i would say no you shouldn't but i'm gonna say yes you will <laughs> i think that's right <laughs> but i'm not sure i'm going back and forth i'm definitely gonna bring some suits like i'm definitely gonna bring three Okay. And just kind of see where it goes. Like, I might show up the first day in a suit, and if everyone's looking at me sideways, <laughs> then, uh, then then I'll maybe retire it. That, but look, I, I'm really excited. Like, we're driving up. So we're driving up Wednesday. We're going to stop in Jasper, uh, you know, go watch the Canucks playoff game, uh, go for a hike in the day because we can't check in until the evening, and then, you know, drive on to Edmonton. And I, look, my wife's never seen the Rocky Mountains. Like, I'm really excited to explore some of – some of that with her both on the way there and then on the way back in you know hopefully early October Uh, so look it's gonna be fun I'm obviously not in the bubble I'm a group five Um, we'll see what that looks like I think you know it's going to be very limited like from what I understand there's only 20 media allowed per game Um, you know one per outlet so I I don't think I'm gonna be at every game in the qualifying round but uh, I'll be at you know the vast majority of them and the vast majority of the entire run so it's going to be really strange. And I, you know what? More than anything, I'm going to miss you, bud. Like, it it really, you know, we've we've covered games through so many weird situations over the course of the year. It's going to be tough not to be masked up with you uh, just like we were at camp. Well, look, if the Canucks get on any kind of run, I'm certainly going to double back and make another push to, to join you there. Uh, <laughs> so we'll see, you know, some of it uh, is outcome dependent. But uh, for old time's sake, at the very least, like find the big Jasper sign like we did in Banff and get a yes. picture with your wife. <laughs> I will. You, you, hey, also, I, I loved your tweet leaving the rink on Friday night. Or was it Saturday? Saturday. Saturday, Saturday yeah. afternoon. 
I, I love that tweet because that's exactly right. Like you put into words something that I'd felt throughout the week and something I absolutely felt walking home on Friday evening, which was just like this sense of nostalgia. Like, you know, every now and then you get gripped by what we've lost in this, I guess. And, you know, as I was walking there, walking home and thinking like, wow, I'm not going to make this walk again into for I don't know. Like, I don't know the next time I'll make this walk. And it's been so nice to make it over the past two weeks. Um, it's tough. Like, it's tough for me. And, and your tweet really spoke to me. So I, I just wanted to mention <laughs> that good. to you and get your reaction to it. Well, I like it when my followers are highly engaged. <laughs> But they're, no, like that was you know. Look, we, I was being earnest. I, I appreciate that, <laughs> and I'm gonna miss you too. But there, there was that feeling came over me, just like not just me, but as I tweeted, like, and then I got thinking, like, we were lucky. We got in here in the summer. We got to see hockey. We got to be back at Rogers Arena. But like, when will the average fan? Like, who knows when that's gonna happen? Uh, you know, so much focus right now on just getting this, the bubble, up and running, and and taken care of and presenting a Stanley Cup in a few months time like next season is still a real challenge and a chore and there are so many question marks about next season so that's for then but you know it was just nice to for 10 days at the very least to have sort of that routine again of being back around the game in the rink watching it with my own two eyes and you know, you'll have fun in Edmonton. I mean, what an experience uh, for the rest of your career. Whatever you do, uh, let's hope that there's never another, you know, bubble hockey tournament like this one. So, uh, yeah, I I'm excited because the next time we record, you're going to be on the road. You're going to be that much closer to Edmonton, and we're going to be that much closer to the start of the play. And so the next pod, we're going to have a game to break down, which is kind of mind-blowing if you think about it. Uh, we haven't had that since the middle of March, but we'll record well, later in the week after the Canucks and the Jets and that one exhibition game. And we'll have obviously tons of content and material to, to digest, you know, from the game itself and the way it goes down, but lineup decisions there and, and what we saw and what we took away from uh, the one and only exhibition game the Canucks are going to play. Yeah, and I'm excited because then people can stop telling me that I'm making too much up over right. Uh, scrimmages, right? Like, yep. you're making too much over scrimmages. <laughs> it was like was like the story of my last three weeks, and then everyone actually just really, really wants to know what happened at the scrimmages. <laughs> but we're making too much of the thing that fans can't get enough of, J-Pat. Uh, quick reminder, Stanley I'm Cup. so jaded. <laughs> no, you shouldn't be. You should be excited. You should go in. I am excited. Eyes wide open. And I look I forward I look forward to seeing what you can come up with. I mean, you're a creative guy. You'll come up with some interesting story angles about the bubble itself. Um, but I just wanted to mention that Stanley Cup champ Patrick Sharp, you remember him from his days with the Chicago Blackhawks, among others, uh, studio analyst for NHL on NBC. He joined Scott Burnside and guest co-host Eric DeHatchik this week on Two Man Advantage at The Athletic. So you can check that one out. And again, the next time you and I do this, we got games. We got hockey to talk about. Uh, I'm fired up. Let's go. Exactly. And when you say let's go, I assume you're talking about hockey and not to your wife about <laughs> let's go. <laughs> yeah, let's let's leave right now. <laughs> hockey is about to be played. No, and look, this lines up nicely, too, because the Canucks will play their first game Sunday, right? So yeah. when we're doing this next week, hopefully earlier in the day, um, you know, we'll have a we'll have a like high stakes outcome to break down. Uh, between Love the Cats and the Wild. Like, we're so close to this. And it's going to be such a crazy tournament, man. Like, it's going to be such a sprint. Uh, I think it's going to be phenomenal. Uh, you know, one thing I'm curious to get your reaction to this, and I know, I know we're going long, but I have this suspicion that 
you know, remember when three on three first came in and every game, like we never saw shootouts and now we see shootouts again pretty regularly. Like NHL coaches can suck offense even out of a three on three. Like that's what they can do. They're amazing. And I'm curious to see what these games look like now that these coaches have had months to prepare. Like I'm, I'm really worried that the qualifying round is going to be a ton of one nothing results. <laughs> I think we're going to see a ton of one nothing results in the qualifying round, and then we're going to see a couple of games in that first round where one team is like ready to go because they've been playing for ten days and the others not, and they get jumped in the first two games. And then thereafter, I think we're going to see tremendous hockey. But I do think it's going to take twelve days for us to see the best this sport has to offer. Well, I do wonder about the exhibition games with added bodies and nobody having played in forever and veterans who, you know, you talked about earlier, don't want to get hurt, but they also want to get their hands and a little bit of timing. Like, what? hey, we're going to get the answers. We're, we're going to see for ourselves here. Uh, in fact, starting tomorrow, there are games played, and then Wednesday, it's the Canucks and the Jets. My early recollection of three-on-three when it arrived on the scene, though, was it was so insane. Like, it was just back and forth. You couldn't catch your breath, and you're right. Somebody always scored. And then we started to see teams reset. We would see them carry the puck to the neutral zone. Then we'd see guys play it back to the goalie to re, you know, like it kind of did. It got dragged down slowly to the point that it's not what it once was, but it still has those moments. Oh, it's still great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we won't see three on three. It's still NHL players with space and time. Yeah. We won't see that. We know that, but, uh, May get some marathon overtimes. We who knows what we'll get, uh, but we'll, we're we're all in this together, and we are about to find out. NHL logistics people hearing you say that are like, no, please. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh. check out our comment section for each podcast episode at the Athletic app, and don't forget rate and subscribe the VanCast on Apple. If you click on the show URL, theathletic.com/slash/thevancast, you'll get forty percent off your subscription. Answer. It's been fun here to fill the void twice a week during this downtime, but it's go time. I'll catch up Hockey's with you from the back, road. Hockey's back, baby. I know. Let's I'll go. Ca- All right. Let's I'll go. Ca- I'll catch up with you from the road. Safe, tra- safe travels. Oh, sorry. And- that, that actually was me to my wife there. <laughs> safe, safe travels, and we'll talk to you from uh, somewhere along the line uh, later in the week. <laughs> Sounds good, brother. Cheers. There you go. For your answer, it's J-Pat. Game on. Let's talk, Let's see some hockey. Uh, And we'll be all over it twice a week uh, here at the VanCast at TheAthletic and TheAthletic.com.